Hello and a warm welcome once again to Freight Club, a WTA Group podcast. Now, that's an episode title that's probably left you deeply sceptical, understandably so, but I can tell you we have some really interesting insight on the podcast today. The last two and a half years in logistics have been dominated by discussions about the freight rate. A pandemic-driven consumer surge caused freight rates to rise to totally unsustainable levels, And now, tight fiscal policy from governments in Western economies has resulted in a huge decline. But suggesting shippers take their focus away from the freight rate does feel very counterproductive. Well, to explain this premise, I have with me the Sales and Marketing Director of WTA Group, Kerry Barton. Kerry works with a team who operate across countless trade lanes every day, with customers ranging in size from a few pallets a year to several hundred containers, so perfectly placed to discuss the significance of the freight rate in 2023. Hi, Kerry, then. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast today. No problem. Nice to see you again, Scott. Right. So, yeah, people might be a bit confused by our conversation topic today, asking them to don't focus on the freight rate. It feels quite counterproductive. Uh, particularly with the last, you know, year or two in mind. Why are we telling people not to focus on the freight rate? Good question. I feel it's, you're only looking at a small part of the story. So everyone always wants to talk to me about freight rates. That's just the the, the go-to topic at the minute. So when I'm at events, it inevitably, well, I say events, I mean logistics events, obviously, <laughs> not when I'm at Alton Towers or something, but in general, <laughs> people walk up to me and they always end up wanting to talk about rates. And it's just really odd because it's such this tiny part of a much wider story. And I always think it must be like what Amal Clooney feels like when she's out and about and everyone just wants to talk about her husband and in her brain. Yeah, she must be thinking, yeah, 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 he's nice. Oh, yeah, he is famous. Oh, yeah, he are. And she's nodding her head, but she must be sat there thinking, well, actually, I'm quite a significant and famous human rights lawyer. Talk to me about that. And that's what I I kind of feel like Amal Clooney sometimes, that it's roughly 4% of your total supply chain costs, your rates. That's it. So when you look at the rest and doing broad assumptions now, Scott, you've got 70 to 85% are usually your manufacturing costs. And then you're looking at maybe 11 to 26%, something like that, are going to be supply chain costs outside of rates. So that Mm. rates bit is such a small part of where your costs are that just focusing on it and making decisions on freight rates just seems ridiculous. And I think this is even more important because in today's climate, rates just aren't really fluctuating like they used to. We're in a spot rate market world. I'd say usually there's very little in it between providers, if I was being honest, unless someone's going to be selling to you at a loss, which, you know, we can do. That can be my third podcast, Scott, um, (laughs) why a freight forward is selling at a loss. I, I would say there's very little in it. So comparing freight forwarders on rates, just seems uh, it just doesn't feel like you're really comparing them on anything substantial and then you've got much bigger things going on in the supply chain world you know you've got all the geopolitical events going on mainly the war in ukraine you know you've got loads of uncertainty in the business world caused by the economic downturn 
you know we've got shipping and logistics disruptions still rumbling on you know mainly like industrial action at ports maybe some blank sailing still and then you've got climate related events that can still impact your supply chain we've got higher costs going on for you know for your raw materials and we've still got labor shortages especially in trucking and things like that so there's so much more going on that your freight forwarder can help with that I just think that just focusing on rates kind of limits what we can do and how we can help you. I like what you said there about how focusing so much on freight rates does ignores all the other aspects of, of logistics service providers and, and what they can actually do. You know, before we go any further, I feel like th there is an obvious question that, that people are going to be thinking. WTA is, is in effect a freight forwarder. Uh, talking about not just focusing on the freight rate, isn't that us kind of admitting that our freight rates aren't good? No, that's not the case at all. We have really competitive with our rates. We have to be. That goes without question. And we've got these amazing relationships with the shipping lines built over this very long history that we've had that means our rates are competitive. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't have the longevity or the partnerships that we do have, you know, and the customers that we've got if we didn't. So Yes, it's good to be really clear on that because I don't want anyone to think that's what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that if that's the only thing you judge people on at the minute, then it's going to be very difficult to to make an informed decision because all the freight rates are going to be pretty much the same. So if you widen the conversation, you've got more room for differentiation between your freight forwarders and more cost saving potential definitely have competitive freight rates but I'm just saying be harder with your freight forwarders and judge them on more yeah yeah demand more I suppose it's true that uh, I don't think you'd get to 110 years old if you weren't very competitive in the uh, in the rate space but broadly your point there then is that business leaders are sort of overly focused on that four percent and they're ignoring the bulk of other cost Yes, it's a slight simplification and I don't want to, you know, do everyone a disservice. I just think that if you're measuring freight forwarders only by rates, then you're just limiting basically how much a freight forwarder can help you. So you're looking at them as a very transactional partner rather than a strategic partner. WTA, when you look at our customer base, we've got some ridiculously high profile international brands there and we've worked with them for years and years and years upon years and that's because we are helping them with their full supply chain so we are giving them competitive rates that goes without saying but what that how they view us is a partner who's helping them to optimize so much more and reduce the full cost of their supply chain but then when I think of the reverse and what's happening in the sales world and the new business, we're seeing much more just like RFQs coming out, which is just like a spreadsheet of put your cheapest rates in. Um, and that's the end of the dialogue. So then you're back to that looking at a couple of pounds here and there on the 4%. Whereas if you asked your freight forwarder to do more of like an RFI where there's a written response and you're looking at the full supply chain cost rates as well, but also other savings they can be, make by really understanding your business. I think they'll find they'll get much more from the process. Yeah, it's a great point. Moving it perhaps away from just raw numbers and onto words and, and strategy. Yeah. Just perhaps, uh, 
a, a good idea. My next question is slightly scaremongery, but uh, yeah, I on, can only apologise. <laughs> Focusing on that 4%, how, how damaging can that be for businesses? I think because ultimately when rates are low, there's not much profit to be had for freight forwarders from rates, if I was being really blunt and honest. So you could get to the predicament where you've got the freight forwarders who might be clawing back costs elsewhere to get their margins up. So that might be increasing other bits of your final invoice, or they could sell low to hook you in, and then they slowly increase the GP over time, or the possibly the worst, they could reduce their service levels to increase the margins in different ways. So as well as missing out on the true big impact cost savings, I think you're at risk of eroding the service and the transparency with your current freight forwarders by just driving down rates. And again, I repeat, I'm not saying you shouldn't want low rates and we try and be as competitive as possible with all our rates, but we just balance it a little bit with realism and sustainability because our long-term relationships, you know, our trust pilot reviews that ridiculously outbook the norm of freight forwarders that's all down to this we have brilliant people who are doing more than just giving rates they're doing this strategic partnership approach um so it's that balance really and that's where the damage can come from so if if by you know looking at that what we're calling the four percent that that focus on on the freight rate you're kind of ignoring the the bigger supply chain costs, which, you know, in, in the figures you gave can be up to 26% of the yeah. total product cost. What, why is there such a hyper focus on, on that 4% if it's not the full picture? I think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because COVID made rates spike um, ridiculously high and then they were turbulent. So they changed within like hours of quoting. <laughs> so rates were the focus of attention. Do you know, you'll remember Scott from doing the market updates and stuff. It was rates, 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 rates. They were all over the place Absolutely. and just rocketing. So that it, that made sense. And supply chains, you want as much as possible predictability in your supply chain. That's the utopia. That's how you, you manage and lower costs for your business. And you just couldn't do that that conversation has seemed to continue, even though now with rates have fallen right back down to pre-COVID levels. And to be fair, by and large, fairly predictable now. There's not, you know, we know there's not much to talk about in rates. They're low. <laughs> some are creeping down. Sometimes they go back up, but so slight in the scheme of the world. So it's just kind of this, we changed the conversation to rates and everyone's forgotten to flip it back <laughs> um, mm. post-COVID. Yeah, it's certainly true that they increased the uh, interest rate in the UK above what was expected to 5%. That's hitting consumer spending. It's at a similar level in the US and in the EU. Forecasts are that, that rates are going to sort of remain at their low levels for the foreseeable. There's also a lot more capacity entering the market because a lot of the big carriers used the, the windfall of cash that they got to buy huge vessels, which they now have to use on trade lanes that aren't nearly exactly. as busy. So there is a lot of downward pressure on rates still, and it's looking like that's going to continue for at least the next six months. So when you talk about the other logistics costs to factor in away from that freight rate, which, as we've just covered in detail, is is forecasted to remain relatively low. What are the other supply chain costs specifically? What what are we talking about there? There's loads. <laughs> Buckle in, Scott. <laughs> I'll try and not do a bore fest thing. No, it's all right. You've got all the time that you need. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So I think one of them is that people forget that their supply chain evolves over time. So we had a new US customer and they wanted us to help them optimize their full supply chain, which was brilliant. So one of the first things we did was what we call a gravity map, which sounds nice and technical, but essentially we looked at where their suppliers were versus the costs associated with the suppliers and the logistics and things. And we kind of did the same with the warehouse. So we looked at where the warehouses were based versus their customers and the associated logistics and the cost of those warehouses, etc. They initially set up a distribution centre in New Jersey, which made complete sense at the time because it was close to their current customer base. But then over the years, the customer base has changed rapidly and New Jersey was no longer close to the majority of their customers. They'd grown across the US at such speed that New Jersey was now a tiny component of their customer base. So they're essentially paying too much in logistics. We worked with them to do a transition of moving this distribution center away from New Jersey to a more central US location. And then through that process, the cost savings were huge in logistics. But if we'd have only focused on freight rates, Scott, we would have, we would have just carried on as is, not having done that analysis. Yeah. I'd say inadequate data is another one. We all know we live in a big data world and there's been, there's been a lot of pressure and transformation in logistics for supply chains to become digital and data driven, which is brilliant. And most freight forwarders now should have impressive platforms for their customers um, and they can use that to have data on their supply chain and then make these strategic decisions. It always makes me laugh because when you look, by and large, these platforms are sold with an image of a ship on a map and you can see it mm. in real time. Yeah, certainly but, yeah, it's any website you could go at, that's what they've got, which is great. It looks really nice, but actually no one really gives two hoots about where the ship is in the Atlantic Ocean. All people really care about is, is the ship going to arrive at destination on time? So it kind of defeats the point. It's just sort of prettiness rather than actual useful information. So data is improving, but there's more to do, I think, is my point here on supply chains. and. The potential that's coming out now and what everyone's working on and I know Anthony, our IT director, um, maybe he, we can get him on a podcast soon, Scott, to talk about this in more detail, but yeah. blockchains, AI, gamification of logistics, that's where it gets really exciting and you're like, wow, there's going to be even more cost savings for our customers to come. You can do it to drive productivity, increase staff retention and things like that. And then if you think about supply chains, so there's a lot of mundane tasks in supply chains, whether it's your warehouse management, picking of orders, so even just using certain machinery can feel monotonous. So if you use game theory over a supply chain, you're suddenly making it much more fun, much more productive. Then you get all excited when you think about these platforms that freight forwarders like us have, that they can be used to help do that. And then suddenly you're opening up a whole world of efficiencies and cost savings. Uh, yeah, but I mean, blockchain as a technology, I think, has been uh, has got kind of a bad reputation because of lots of dodgy cryptocurrencies that exist. But actually, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you dig into the technology behind it, the opportunities there in the years to come are really exciting. But I, I suppose your, your broader point from all that is that, you know, by better use of data and better use of digitalization in, across your supply chain and less focus on the freight rate, there are huge savings that can be made and efficiencies that can be identified 100%. Um, but at a more basic level 
um, yes, customs and compliance, <laughs> customs and compliance costs. Uh, everyone's sort of familiar with those and sort of rolls their eyes. Um, but it is, you know, just that's that's international trade, unfortunately. Generally, they aren't included in the freight rate, are they? So I suppose this is part of that wider supply chain cost that we've been talking about. Yeah, 100%. And it's that idea that when you get an initial quote, then your and your final invoice doesn't quite match it. And that's, you know, sometimes down to unavoidable factors, but sometimes it's just poor supply chain management. And that's the bit that you really need to work with a freight forwarder on um, of getting those down. So there's basic things you can do, you know, keeping on top of your, you know, what's going on in the regulatory and compliance world, you know, finding a freight forwarder or customs broker really gets customs, especially if you're shipping anything complicated, hazardous, food, anything like that, because it really does get complex. So just to give you an example, Scott, um, we were working with a UK company who were importing spice from India. And they were coming into Felixstowe and the port authority um, stopped their um, spice, just doing a random check. And then as the authorities were checking, they realised that the, the paperwork wasn't in place that was needed um, for them to clear the goods. So that's when the clock starts ticking, because when they went to the UK company, the UK company didn't have that paperwork. So WTA stepped in and we basically had five days, a five day window to make sure to speak to the company in India and get all the paperwork we need, get it submitted to the Port Authority and the goods cleared. Because after the five day window, that's when you start racking up your demorage charges and they can be about 70 to 100 quid a day, something like that. So every day you're there, the higher your charges are going to be. So obviously, get your paperwork sorted in advance is always the best idea. But when things happen like this and they just can't be helped or something's fallen through the cracks, you just you need a freight forwarder to work with who can work at speed and understand and care basically about these demorage charges and help you within that window to clear your goods. So that's one of the ways that, that you can rack up, basically rack up um, costs on your invoice that you weren't expecting. Yeah, great. I, uh, I I see what you mean there about it, it goes back to that point you mentioned earlier about less of a transactional relationship with a forwarder, more of a, a partnership and, and a forwarder <laughs> that is going to work with you to try and, you know, get get these goods where you need them to be um, rather than just be a, a transactional service can, you know, get the, the final invoice down if you move that focus away from the freight rate. But But sticking with the topic of other supply chain costs, warehousing yeah. and distribution. I assume that's that's another one that we're, we're talking about there. That's that's not factored into that initial freight rate necessarily. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, I've got an example actually we can use because there was a chemical company that we were working with, and they were just offering all their customers next day delivery. This was a huge commitment actually, and put a pressure on their supply chain, and then added additional costs to the business. And we just posed the question to them, like, where did this commitment come from? So they they re-engaged with their customers and asked them that question. And it turned out that no one really cared about next day delivery. It wouldn't make any difference to them if it came next day or three days time. So by removing that commitment, they suddenly just freed up loads of costs in their supply chains. They were just doing something because they'd decided to do it years ago and had continued to do it. And they just wouldn't have even thought of it if we hadn't opposed that question. So that's again, that's about thinking outside the box of where your cost savings are in a supply chain. 
we've seen it even quite recently, say with product recall. So some of the publishing houses we work with, we also do a lot of work with managing their warehouses and things like that. And there was a book that was published. It's a musical book. So it had batteries and a bit of electronics attached to it. And they received some quality complaints for some buyers. So there was this whole print run done and they were like panicking, going, oh my God, we're going to have to destroy this whole print run. Oh, there's so many costs, there's going to be so much cost, wasted costs basically associated mm. with this. And they'd already completed the print, the print run in China and delivered it to their warehouse in the US. So yeah, they'd, they'd sunk a lot of money already into this. So we, so we worked with them and we transported about 6,000 books to a local facility and we arranged for every book to be tested for quality and repaired where possible. And so this saved nearly half the books basically. And they managed to recover about just shy, I think of 90,000 US dollars, if I remember rightly, in lost revenue. And anything they did have to destroy, which was about half of them, unfortunately, um, we worked with them and facilitated the recycling of the components, you know, including all the electricals and the batteries, just to sustain the environmental values this company had. So I was really proud of the team because they really averted a disaster, yeah. saved the, um, the loads of money and also kept some alignment with their ESG strategy, which was just fab. Of course, yeah, that's a, that's a win all round. That's a, that's a great example and a really nice story. So moving on further from that, then, I, I assume you believe that a, a supply chain can sort of become a competitive advantage for a business when when it's uh, operating like in this way. 100%. So once you shift your perspective from not just your freight forward of being transactional to strategic, but your whole supply chain as being a strategic part of your business, you suddenly unlock cost savings, but also you empower your supply chain, you start doing left field thinking, and then all of a sudden logistics is no longer this dull part of your business. It's quite an exciting place to work in. Um, and the savings you can make massively outweigh any difference in freight rates you might be uh, <laughs> focusing on at the minute. So using experts to take a much more granular look at the whole picture is a trick that's being missed by most businesses, I'd say. In, in your experience then, you know, I know you're speaking to a lot of business leaders every day about their supply chains. Do you think that the the disruption of this this last few years has actually meant that business leaders are are more open to this concept of of looking at their entire supply chain? No, basically, um, it's the complete opposite. I'd say, by and large, okay. that like I know we touched on it before, but the I think the that COVID period manifested itself through through just volatile rates and that completely shifted all the conversations to 100% rates and you know boardrooms like around the world were just there sat telling their supply chain managers chase the lowest rates possible because costs were escalating but now this macro world has changed and rates are back to pre-covid levels and it, the conversations just haven't changed it's time to start thinking a bit more pragmatically about your supply chain's response to whether it's declining revenues or wider market volatility. So this could be by augmenting your inventory levels, you know, so it's a buffer against supply chain shocks. It could be adopting sustainability principles. For an, to use an example, you know, the China discussion just keeps rearing its head in the world of supply chain. You know, whether you should relocate some of your sourcing away from the nation, given you know, the political climate at the minute. 
but for anyone who's listening to this that may have read the white paper we've done on this it's just not a straightforward question to answer so alternatives are emerging that's a definite but finding one with the quality and cost balance of china is just really difficult and in and in some cases and for some products it's almost impossible so china's this exceptionally good import partner there's no doubt but you need to really think about whether china will work for you and you're the only person that can make that decision for your business but it's a really important one going forward but i would then say that a freight forwarder like wta has loads of data economic analysis relationships across asia and you've got free resource there to draw upon people like us to help you make that decision yeah you've spoken about quite a few sort of macro factors that affect a supply chain there um you know china's the china conversation is one of them you've also got uh, you know a drought that's ongoing in the in the panama canal you've got the the war in ukraine all these different factors feed into a global supply chain so do you think this is all evidence then of how important a business's relationship with their freight forwarder is yeah 100% because you've got someone like say wta and we've got 110 year old history we've got colleagues and team members that have worked at WTA for 25 years plus there's all this industry in experience and knowledge and because we're building these true partnership relationships do you know we know what your peers are doing we can help you and guide you so you should definitely use your freight forwarder to help you come up with some of this um, strategy for your supply chain but I'd also say that there's also this digital revolution taking place at the moment in the industry. So you you need to draw on that as well. Like they've got tools and resources to help you look at your data as well. So when you marry up digital tools and data with like the talent and the experience at, within a freight forwarder, then you've got this amazing resource to draw upon that your people are missing out on basically. Yeah, I mean, you make it sound quite exciting, actually. There's quite a lot of <laughs> opportunity out there uh, when you really start looking at a supply chain in this way. So to finish then, we'll, we'll put ourselves in the mind of, of of someone that's perhaps listening to this and has really bought into this this concept. What would your advice for a first step be for, for that person? Go and use free resources. So like WTA, for example, have loads of white papers and podcasts like this and your infographics, all sorts of resources out there that can help you start thinking about having a strategic supply chain. And we are not the only ones doing it, to be fair. So if you can go to our competitors as well, they will have free resources. So I would really use what's out there <laughs> to your advantage. Um, and then don't be afraid to pick up the phone, I'd say, that um even if you don't use wta at the moment as a freight forwarder we're still going to help you we've still got this team that are all trained and all willing to help and support and answer questions so i would say don't be afraid to speak to people and utilize the free resources out there but you know we've helped so many people save so much money um there'll be definitely examples and things we can draw on to help you with your unique problems yeah, sounds great. You're certainly right. There is tons of content of which this podcast forms part of, I suppose. Is, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a nice circularity to this conversation there. Um, that's great, Kerry. Thanks for speaking to me today. No problem.